0: I'd love to invite you today as you listen to begin with me the way that our group did when we were together live, which is simply to name before Jesus what you need as you understand it. Next, thank Jesus for the needs that you've had met recently or in the past. And finally, talk to Jesus today about the needs of others Near and far. And then I invite you to pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us, a prayer that joins us with others from around the world and from generation to generation. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Now, this is the third in our series about four themes that run through scripture. First, we talked about water, which often happens at a time when God demonstrates their authority and takes action. Water is often a symbol of going from death to life. Then we talked about fire, which is a symbol of God's presence. Today we're looking at the way bread shows up in the Bible, wondering what it means and what it tells us about who God is and what God's like. Because bread, we're going to find, is provision and hospitality. I go to CrossFit in the mornings by this bakery that does wholesale distribution to other locations. So every morning at 5.30, I'm jogging my lap, trying to wake up because I'm uncaffeinated and it's still dark out. And wafting from this bakery is freshly baked bread as they load up their trucks. And the guy who loads their trucks, he and I are friends in so far as we always say good morning to one another. And he always commends me for exercising. And I always say that I'm jealous that I'm not with the bread. (laughs) Bread has this power. It's very smell is comforting. Now, imagine that you face a challenge that has indeed come up when it comes to biblical translation. And that is, what would you do if you were with a community that didn't have bread? You are trying to bring this story of scripture to life, but they're not a bread community. How would you handle that? If you were in the translator's shoes, what might you do? As we talked about this as a group, some really creative ideas came up, including looking to some other form of sustenance that the community might use, or looking to other kinds of images that might be similar. One group talked about the way that fire, heat, warmth, and light collectively might point to similar kinds of things, for instance. I actually wondered this at one point when somebody shared about a friend of theirs who was indeed in this very situation. Translating in a community that had no bread and whose sustenance was a sweet potato. And so the translators made Jesus the sweet potato of life. The bread images in scripture became sweet potatoes because that was their staple food. The one they most depended upon. Because bread is all about being provided for when it comes to what we need. And Bread tells us a story of a God who cares and provides for us, a God who meets our needs, but not only that, a God who knows our needs even more than we do. We're going to walk through five bread stories together today, and I'm going to tell them each just briefly to remind us of the way that bread shows up. The first and most notable for our purposes is at Passover. At Passover, God provides a rescue and the people eat bread that is not leavened. It doesn't have time to rise because God is in a hurry to set them free and get them moving into something new. Exodus twelve seventeen says, celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. Eat bread because it tells the story of a God who provides a rescue. Our second story doesn't happen too long after that. In the wilderness, God provides manna. God provides manna so that they have what they need at the most basic level. So that they would live and not starve. And what fascinates me in the story of God providing manna is this little sentence from the people. In Exodus 16, 3, they moan, if only Yahweh had killed us back in Egypt. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. And this story reminds us of something really deeply true, which is that although Yahweh God can and does meet our needs, When God doesn't do it the way we want God to do it, or how we expected God to do it, we all are inclined to be like the Hebrews, having shiny lenses through which we look back at a past time, and even if there was something that had us stuck, enslaved, wasn't for our good, caused us suffering, we would be inclined to look back thinking, no, 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 what I wanted was happening then. My needs were met then, rather than looking for God to meet our needs in a new and fresh way. In the wilderness, they eat bread because God provides new life for them. Our third story is about the tabernacle. So also from this wilderness time, the tent that they have created to remind them and to sort of convey God's presence among them. And in the middle of the tabernacle, there is a table. And on that table, there is always bread. The bread of the tabernacle is a reminder of God's presence. They have bread because God provides God's very self with them. Our first story might take just a minute more to tell. It comes out of 1 Kings, starting in chapter 17, where we meet Elijah, a prophet, with a message from the Lord. His message specifically is about the people needing to trust Yahweh God alone and not Baal which is incredibly difficult because Jezebel the queen has umpteen prophets of Baal at her beck and call, and she has led the people astray accordingly. Now, Elijah confronts these prophets of Baal in an epic showdown, right smack in the middle of a drought. Elijah drenches an altar, and God sends fire from the sky to consume that offering. And this leads Elijah to have to run for his life because Jezebel is ticked off. It's a biblical term. Once Elijah escapes a bit to safety in the mountains, he complains very honestly to God about how he's done and had enough. And God, in response, sends rest in the form of a nap and bread, a snack. A snack and a nap, so many have noted, is what many of us really do need, and God knows it. But at a deep level, God provides bread because God provides rest. Now, from there, Elijah will go on and encounter a widow. And when he sees her, he asks if she will prepare him something to eat. But she shares that in the very moment they have encountered one another, she's picking up sticks to build a fire to cook the very last of her flour into the very last loaf of bread she'll ever have. And she and her son will then starve. At this point, Elijah says, you won't prepare the food Like you've planned, but also prepare some for me. And for reasons we don't totally know, she says yes. And in feeding Elijah, God then begins to miraculously extend the life of her flour and oil. Elijah actually says to her that she will have enough to eat until the rain comes again, which of course means that the crops will grow again and the famine will end. The end of the drought would mean the end of the famine as well. And she is provided for through Elijah. Together, they have enough to eat. God sends bread, and they eat bread because God not only provides for the need of food, but the need of companionship. I don't think Elijah only needed a nap and a snack at first. I think he needed company, that this woman provided him encouragement along the way. And right after Elijah stays with this widow, he meets Elisha, who will continue to be a companion in his work. So many needs are being met at this point. The need to see God work in a mighty way, the need to be cared for, the need to connect with someone else, and the need for an ongoing companion. And they eat bread, and that's what helps them remember that God will provide for all of those things. And then our fifth and final story comes from John chapter 6, where a crowd has gathered to hear what this Jesus has to say because it sure seems that he might be ushering in a promised time of God's reign among them right here on earth. And as they stay through the day, they grow hungry. And instead of being sent off to eat, Jesus breaks bread with thanksgiving and passes it out. And it just keeps coming bite after bite, basket after basket until they have eaten as much as they want. Well, the next day, naturally, they come to find Jesus again. And Jesus criticizes them because he knows they came for more bread. And they didn't come for him. Not, not really. He says at this point, I'm the bread of life. He goes on saying, people eat him. And in the same way that manna was bread from heaven, given not by Moses, but by God, well, now he, Jesus, is bread from heaven, sent by God the Father. All of these remarks from Jesus leave the people disappointed. They start to turn and walk away. They want literal bread. They want manna, not Jesus. Besides, they know this guy's parents. So whatever this whole heaven-sent, eat-my-body stuff is, they'll pass, thanks very much. And then we find this moment starting in John 6, verse 66. At this point, many of Jesus' disciples turned away and deserted him. And Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? I'm curious what you might be thinking or feeling if you had been there in that moment. Would you have stayed? Or if you're honest, would you have gone too? If the question was posed to you, are you also going to leave? How might you respond to Jesus? Well, here's Simon Peter, who says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe, and we know you are the Holy One of God. The people eat bread, and God provides for them. God's own self-embodied life that begins now and goes forever. Not only life that continues on in some sort of eternal, not-being-dead form, but life that's really lived, that's full of joy and meaning and purpose. That is all on offer as they eat. Because God provides. God meets needs. The deepest needs and the most pressing needs. Bread tells our story. Bread tells us that God cares. That God gives and sustains life that God takes care of our needs. Bread tells us that God is entering in with us. There is a lingering piece of every one of these stories where God is present. This isn't sort of porch drop God taking care of needs. This is God coming near to take care of needs. Bread tells us that God is a God of hospitality and generosity. Throughout each encounter, we see it, but no more so than when Jesus gives himself away. My body, broken for you all. Take and eat. I think throughout all of these stories, we're invited to hear God perhaps saying, I know your needs. I know the ones that you know. I know the needs you don't even know you have. We might hear God say, I know you don't know how this is going to happen. It was certainly true in the wilderness that the people had no idea if manna could come. It was certainly true at the time of Jesus that the people had no idea if liberation from Roman occupation could come. It was certainly true for all of us that we don't always know if life can come and our needs can be met. And I think we see God empathizing with us in these stories of bread. I also think that there is a reality to God's wisdom that as we see God meet needs, as bread comes each time, we have to acknowledge a God who might say to us, perhaps with a little lightheartedness even, I know more than you. Every time the people want the situation to be handled a certain sort of way and God chooses to handle it the way that God chooses to handle it because God knows more. And so as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. As we come to the table Jesus set and offers his own body to us and eat bread, we are really capturing four big things at once. We are remembering manna in the past. We are remembering God's care in the present. We are remembering the meal Christ first began for us all at the Last Supper. And we are looking forward to the time when every need is met and a new age that has already begun will be fully realized, the age where all will be well, the great banquet where we eat together. We align ourselves to God one meal at a time. As we pray, give us today our daily bread. As we come to communion, as we eat casual meals together, as we tend to the hunger of others, In all these things, we practice trusting the God who knows and meets our needs. And we practice looking forward to the time when all will be well. To close, the words of Rachel Held Evans. This is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table. Not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry because they said yes. And there's always room for more. Amen.